This episode of Bridgerton with Mary and Blake is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things beauty and makeup and skincare to help you feel as fresh-faced as those scenes that we just got to see in episode one of Bridgerton. So to learn more, you can simply go to MinuteWithMary.com. It has been said that of all bitches, dead or alive, a scribbling woman is the most canine. If that should be true, then this author would like to show you her teeth. <laughs> My name is Lady Whistledown. You do not know me, and rest assured you never shall. But be forewarned, dear reader, I certainly know you. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to Bridgerton on Netflix. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to spill the tea. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I just wish I could be as eloquent and as awesome as Julie Andrews. Oh, in anything and everything she does, including a simple voiceover. I mean, let's be real. I am picturing Julie Andrews doing all these VOs in a basement studio like we are here in our basement studio yep. in her jammies with her hot toddy. <laughs> See, I need a hot toddy. Yes, with her hot toddy. <laughs> you know, just just enjoying herself and not having to be dressed up, not having to be coiffed, not having to have any makeup, but literally just sitting in a matching sweatpants suit. Doing her thing just and being showing up amazing and just at it. being awesome at it and sounding like a million bucks. Like, did they approach her and they'd say, we want you to be one of these characters? And she was like, nah, mm. unless <laughs> I just get to be the voice. Let's can, do it. I can do the voice. Let's <laughs> right? chat that one out. I, I'm all about that life. I love it. Well, if you want to talk all things Bridgerton, you can. You can actually subscribe to our podcast by searching for it in your favorite podcast podcast feed. Now, I will say that this is our premiere podcast. So yes. if you're listening to this on a different way, maybe through video, through social media, or through our Patreon app, know that it's just going to take a little while for it to generate in your favorite podcast catcher, but it will be there shortly. You can mm-hmm. also make sure that you follow us on all social media fronts by searching Mary and Blake on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And of course, we want to thank all of our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. Ooh, join the nerdclan.com. I do need a cup of tea. Look at this. Who have made all of this possible. They're just a general bunch of our community members and patrons who make sure to keep production on all things Mary and Blake going. So uh, here we go. Let's get into the show. Blake, break it on down for me. Let's hear some details about this episode. So this is how we normally do things in case you are brand new to uh, Mary and Blake Media. We break it down for you uh, front line and center. We talk about the title, the directors, the writers, uh, all things theme and character. And we break it down like it is our job here. And we also have ratings too. So, but let's let's do the title first. The, The title of this premiere episode... 
of Bridgerton is called Diamond of the First Water, which is one of the titles that our that our girl uh, has, that our main character has uh, for her, just her coming out in the social season and the in the marrying season. Uh, that she is the the primary a number one candidate, and the director was Julianne Robinson. Now Julianne Robinson is a director that has been around for quite some time and done a lot of excellent television. I mean, we're, we're dating all the way back to uh, the show weeds. She has directed parks and rec. As a matter of fact, that's a favorite of Mary and Blake media. She's directed Brooklyn nine, nine, um, the show, the middle, uh, what else has she done? She's done Nurse Jackie, Grace and Frankie. Uh, oh my goodness. She has done the show Manhattan, Orange is the New Black. She's done Hail Mary, Masters of Sex, Roadies, The Catch, The Last Tycoon. Lots of things. Oh my good. Losing It, uh, The Good Place she's directed, AP Bio, wow. and also another favorite of Mary and Blake Media, Castle Rock, which was uh, an excellent show, one that we actually got a chance to see at New York comic-con uh, a couple of years ago as a matter of fact mm-hmm. the season two premiere which was was which was excellent stuff and the writer the writer is the showrunner of uh bridgerton his name is chris van dusen now you may not know that name although if you are a big fan of um gray's anatomy or if you're a big fan of the show scandal or seattle grace you may know that name just because <laughs> he's a writer and a producer on those shows okay and a long time collaborator with the overall producer of this show shonda rhimes mm-hmm. uh shonda rhimes is a, a longtime collaborator of his and he of her so this is his first show running job that he has ever done and what a show <laughs> to, to seriously step onto the market with uh, one that is full of personality, one that is full of vigor mm-hmm. and um, one that will make its mark on uh, historical television. Yes. Uh, if you will. So. Historical fiction. Historical fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But like period pieces. That's what I mean. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it will make its mark on period pieces and how historical fiction is, I think, um, shown in in for for at least the near future. Mm. Uh, so that is that. Awesome. Marvin, what is uh? We have a rating system here. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Mary and I are married. We have been, we are a married couple. We've been married now for ten years. We've been together since two thousand seven. We have two beautiful children together, and we podcast from Providence, Rhode Island, in our basement. And it is amazing. We have a great little studio down here, and we have many, many other podcasts that we do. Bridgerton is one that uh, we felt very passionate about, thought that it would be a fun addition to Mary and Blake Media. And part of Mary and Blake Media also is that we rate things. We give ratings uh, based on what we like, how we experience it. Uh, And that experience is contained within itself. How good is this episode of television in comparison to its existence in, in, in comparison to its existence as a television show. Um, so we base it on a one to five scale. And then there is a very special rating for uh, five plus, which yes. is one of the best episodes of television <laughs> that we've ever seen. It transcends the, the context, norms. the contextual uh, ratio that we use. So Marvin, um, we usually do a rating system based on an object or yes. something for the leftover. It was Damon. leftovers. It was Damon's after Damon Lindelof for Gilmore girls. It was cups of coffee for outlander. It is kilts for the Potterverse. It is, what is it? 
I don't think we have. Oh, it we don't have one for the Potterverse. That's chapters, right. But we do have corgis for the Crown podcast. Oh, we do lightning bolts for the Potterverse. Oh yes. So, but for this one, we're doing it cups of tea. Yes, cups of tea. All right. So, so how many cups of tea you give? On a scale of one, one to five, one being the absolute schnooze fest worst, and five being the best, as you said, I'm giving this a four point eight. I really wow. enjoyed the newness of this episode in so many different ways, which I'll go into in detail in a little bit. But I was shockingly pleased. For me, I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give this one a four two. Okay. I'm going to give it 4.2 cups of tea. And just so you know, if you're new to Marion Blake, Blake is a much harsher critic than I am when it comes to this. Well, you know what? No, no. I'm going to give it four. I'm going to give it four cups of tea. Uh, And the reason why I'm giving it it four is because I think it does its job as a premiere. Mm -hmm. But, but there are some things that are lacking that I think it makes, that makes it an effective premiere. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, I'm giving it four cups of tea. You're giving it 4.8 cups of tea. Another thing that we also do here is a GBG, the good, the bad, and the great. What do you got for your good to your bad and your great, Mavin? My good is the diverse cast. I feel like it would be crazy not to acknowledge it. I don't think that it's necessarily something that needs to be um, discussed at great length right now, necessarily. Sure. But it is definitely something that needs worth mentioning. I think that it's just great that it's like this alternate universe of people of different... Um, skin type, skin tones, different nationalities who are able to kind of be on a more level playing field. And it's Mm -hmm. not, at least not in this episode, not even mentioned. It's something that I said to Blake. I said, you know, it's not even, none of the characters were saying anything about it, which I found to be very, very refreshing. Obviously, this is, you know, in Europe, there was um, some more diversity necessarily in the hierarchy than there was here in the US where we were raised. But... Not like we were raised during the <laughs> during this time during the frame 1800s. <laughs> at all, exactly. But it was just very refreshing, as generally when we see period um, period pieces of this realm with an entirely white cast, it was just very refreshing to see it mixed up and to not necessarily have the color of one's skin influence their character mm-hmm. or their positions in society. So I really, really appreciated that and I found it very refreshing. My bad, as simple as it may sound, it was something that really distracted me because I, I agree with you, Blake. I enjoyed this as a premiere. It didn't 100% make me be like, oh my gosh, like I I need to get, I did actually say I needed to get more, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't a five of, of a premiere for me. I really did enjoy it. Um, but one of the things that did stand out to me, and it's so small and simple, but the corsets and the scratching that Daphne had on the back of her dress, when these dresses weren't necessarily form fitting, like you can see if you're watching the video, they're wearing like these A-line dresses. So I just didn't understand why they were wearing um, these corsets that you would definitely have kind of like more of a hoop skirt kind of thing underneath. Um, I don't know I just find it interesting that in two particular scenes they were able to show this of the situation that the women were going through and it was in regards to their undergarments Sure. and yet I don't know they're wearing these more shift dresses so anyway just a thought as a female woman I was like why are they going through all this trouble when they don't like if I wore a dress like that I wouldn't even wear Spanx nope I'd be like whatevs let it all hang out what they can't see they can't see. <laughs> Ignorance right? is bliss. Amen, man. Amen. Thank <laughs> and if God you wore for one of those, If you wore one of those dresses, there would be so much heaving going on from, from your bosom. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so much gra- heaving. <laughs> my great are the costumes. So aside from the corset situation, yes. the costumes and the set, just 
It was so beautiful to look at. It caught my eye right away. What's funny is that Blake and I accidentally started on the second episode yes. and it was very dark. So we have like an we have like a two minute knowledge of what happens in the beginning of the second episode and we were like, God, I thought this was supposed <laughs> wow. to be like a very jolly, <laughs> sexy romance fun thing. This is really dark. What's going on? No. We both were like, this can't be the beginning of the premiere of the episode. Instead, we open up on the correct episode and mm-hmm. it's just so brightly colored. We're watching so all these much people different. walk around <laughs> and um, it's just lovely. It's lovely to watch. We talked about how it reminded us a lot of The Greatest Showman. Yes. You know, just the vibrancy. Um, it. You know, when the kids are running around, it's like the newsies with the papes, you know? (laughs) Got your papes. Headlines don't sell papes. Newsies Newsies sell sell papes. Um, They're just running around and you're seeing it's it's very theatrical, the people's reactions to things. It reminded me even of like the scenes in Phantom of the Opera, you know, with all the very dancing and how everyone kind of like looks around at the same time. Very theatrical, Mm -hmm. which I'm down. I'm down with it. So that was my great. How about you? What's your GBG? Your good, your bad, your great. All right, my my good. The first thing is uh, the soundtrack by Chris Bowers. Uh, now I don't know a whole ton of Chris Bowers. I I don't profess to know, but I will find out soon. Uh, it is incredibly listenable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually listened to the soundtrack all day because um, it's it's just great, and and it's in that like baroque, but not. It's it's like a, a fusion of this kind of baroque and ro- romantic, uh, even modern classical music. It's just it's incredible. Uh, they throw you some curveballs. You're sitting there listening, and you're like, oh. Oh, I know this. And, oh, and, this is a pop tune. And then, infu- like you just said, Mary, infusing <laughs> current music like Thank You, Next, or Girls Like You, mm-hmm. played by the Vitamin String Quartet, it just like makes my life. It, it is such a great asset to the show in a way that Westworld does it. Yes. Westworld is famous for doing things like the, you know, songs from like Nirvana and Soundgarden and, but they played on instruments that were akin to that time that fit in with the scenery. Exactly. You know, to remind you, this is not really what happened. This is not, you know, it, it, it grounds you a bit, but allows you to still be in this dreamlike world. Right. The show doesn't apologize for the fact that it's doing a modern twist on this era of Jumps English in. history. And it doesn't care. No. It doesn't care that it you cares, think... But... No, no, it doesn't care that you think it's historical or not. It doesn't want you to think that Correct. this is a straight-up historical reenactment. This is what they would have been listening yeah. to while they were doing that dance. Yeah, yes. or this is exactly what they would have been wearing. This is exactly how they would have... It's not like um, Outlander. For example, mm-hmm. you know, Outlander has its things that it that it embellishes on, but for the most part, it is pres- yes, it's pretty precise, very, yes, pretty accurate to that time. This show is it's almost like a comic book. It's almost like um, a, a dreamt up version mm. of this time, and it makes no apologies for that, and that's why it's awesome. It reminded me even we've watched the uh, Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Yes, yes, just the grandiose nature of it that this is theatrical this is the small screen you know um just to keep reminding us of that to not take it too seriously enjoy it just thoroughly enjoy yourself what's your bad and uh so my bad is that i don't particularly like or care about anyone i care about people who i don't think i'm supposed to care about right now well who, who are you caring about penelope and eloise well those definitely are two likable characters 
but I don't think obviously they're not going to be main characters. I mean, I want them to have a love story of their own. I th- well, we're gonna get, we're gonna get into this. Uh, we have some. I have some thoughts on these two characters. Okay, and we'll 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 get but into. So that. I like them, but I agree with you when it comes to main people. Yeah, I don't particularly like or care about anyone yet. I have a feeling that's going to change. I have a feeling that uh, Simon, the the Duke of Hastings, I I've got a feeling I'm going to end up caring about him. Uh, only be- I care about his wardrobe. I mean, because like he. Yeah, his wardrobe. Oh. Dang. Just the man in general. Dang. Oh, boy. <laughs> Give me some butterflies. Um, yes. No, he... The way that it's it's trending for him, like he's got the flask, he's drinking, and... Uh, but he has this relationship with with Lady Danbury, and his dad's not in the picture. His dad has died. He's saying to his friend that he wants his that he doesn't care about having kids. He doesn't want to marry. Um, it's like a. It's. I, I have a feeling I'm going to gravitate towards him. Yeah. I have a feeling. You know what I would love? What's I would that? love to see a show where the roles are reversed. And a lady can come in just like riding her horse and her pants, taking a swig of whatever's in her flask. <laughs> and she just don't care. She just don't care. I don't yeah. want kids. Yeah. I want to go live my life, be Carrie Bradshaw, and like be <laughs> fabulous, show up and have the best outfit in the party, and not worry about you know all this other stuff going on. If I get married, I get married. Okay, I'm not going to fret about it. Yeah. And then the men, the, the men be nervous. Yeah. The men be the ones that well, have I to wear you the get a, you, you get a little bit of that in, in, <clears throat> in this show. You get a little bit. I um, did not. In that, you know, like uh, Burbrook, he is a guy that, like wants to marry and he needs to marry for the dowry, right? He needs all of this stuff. So he's nervous. He knows that he has to get in on that. But all right, but before we get into all that What's stuff, my great, my great <laughs> is obviously this is a gorgeous show. The costuming, as you said, Mary is incredible. It's, it's the, it's bright and it's vibrant and it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And it makes, again, it makes no apologies for the fact that, this is a totally flamboyant yes. show that we're just going to do whatever the hell we feel like, and we don't care if you think that it's historical or not. I love the guts Agreed. that it takes to do it. It frees up so much uh, possibility and story. But really, the thing that it impresses me, especially from a show from Shonda Rhimes, who is from network television, who... It's a pretty basic color palette. It's a pretty basic shot, pa- shot like visual language, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal. Like it's, it's pretty basic. It's not cinematic in nature. You don't sit there and say, wow, that was shot beautifully. Right. This show is not that at all. Correct. The, the gloves are off. The kid gloves are off. And the training wheels are done. We're going, we're going all in. Mm-hmm. And the scene that actually st- stood out to me uh, the most is the ballroom scene. The lighting in the ballroom scene when they're all when 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 Daphne is brought out by her brother and her yep. brother's saying we're not going to dance we're not going to do any of that and she runs into Hastings and the whole thing. The lighting in that in that ballroom scene is spectacular. Not necessarily the 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 surrounding cast or the of the the set itself, but of our main mm-hmm. characters in order to set them apart. Whenever they're in a, a big crowded shot. They're highlighted in this deep blue color. 
And that is done, I think, uh, for one of two reasons. One, I think, to either uh, mimic nighttime, uh, which is possible, though I, any respectable uh, director of photography will tell you that blue lighting is not meant to mimic nighttime lighting um, in, in the way that they're using it uh, to to like almost have like a hair light or to separate them from the background. You don't use blue light for that. So it reminds me of like a club. It reminds me of a modern day ah. club. And when you make that choice and you have the the colors of the orange skin, yes. the pink backgrounds, all the all the the creams and the pewters and uh, and then you separate your main cast with that blue lighting uh, and makes them stand out and it is a a, a visually spectacular sequence. Mm. And that's when I knew this was going to be different. Like, I mean, all the other stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's, as you said, Mary, it's, it's the greatest showman. It's, it, it's greatest showman esque. But when I saw that blue lighting, I said, this is going to say something. This mm. is going to do something that is different from what I originally thought it was going very to be. Very cool. Very, very cool. So, uh, so that's that. Very nice. That's my GBG. Mm-hmm. Um, for the rest of the episode, Mary, um, what really stands out to you? Well, I'd love to go over the characters because we're introduced to everybody in this episode. Okay. And I got to be honest with you, I'm terrible when it comes to remembering people's <laughs> names. I just am. E- even if I've watched them for like a two and a half hour movie, I'm like, what was that main guy's name again? Yes. Forgetting him. I'm just going to name him Joe. So I thought if you have a attention span like I do when it comes to premiere episodes that introduce you to a boatload of people, then maybe we could do a little breakdown. So, of course, we have the uh, Bridgerton family. Yes. And that's easy to remember because it's the name of the show. So we have Daphne, who's the oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. We have Anthony, who's the oldest son. Mm -hmm. He was the guy getting her done at the beginning of the episode. Anthony, (laughs) yeah, let's just kind of break it down. So we have Daphne. Obviously, yeah, the one that like yes. spends the entire episode doesn't want to get married unless it's for love. Yeah. Yes. Then we have Anthony, yes. loves his dad's watch, tries to be his dad, but wants to sleep around. Oh, by the way, before we continue, yeah. Mary and I have not read these books. Oh, no. We have not read these books. <laughs> so we are watching this for the first time um, just as it is. I mm-hmm. mean... We're, we're, we are spoiler free spoiler in regards free. to the books. Yes. We are just making our own assumptions, but we do also believe that a book is a book and a show is a show. Yes, ask our Outlander cast fans about yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, and it's important. It, if you want a podcast that wants to compare the book to the show, please go listen to that and like just do it. Get as much Bridgerton in your life mm-hmm. as possible. If you want to be spoiler free and you just want to talk about the show, we are a show We're only. We're the safe space for you. We're a show only podcast. <laughs> books can be books. Shows can be shows and they can exist separate from each other. They tell two different stories and that is the whole point. We celebrate that Love it. here. So that's that. So we have Anthony who is sleeping around, but he's also very protective of his sister. So he doesn't really care necessarily about his tomfoolery that he's having um, with his mistress until his mom calls him out. Oh, excellent stuff. That might be probably my favorite scene in the whole first episode. I agree. Because the guy's been walking around like he owns the job. I'm the man of the house. I'm the man of the house. And he's doing a crummy job. He's And, and his mother tells him so. And... 
the same thing kind of happens with uh, with the Duke of Hastings here. He comes up and he's he's got his left shoulder out. You know. Oh my gosh, way. riding on the horse. <laughs> what did I say to you? I said, is the... uh, it's like the cool guy way. Or... Yeah, they ride. If you watch him as he's riding, his yeah his shoulders like point. Only one shoulder's pointing forward. The chin is up, and it's like this is the directorial way of saying this is the hot important guy. Yeah. <laughs> like who actually sits like that? And and he's got he's got the flask as I said he's taking the swig and it, it clearly that is something that he should not be doing and he shows up and there's Lady Danbury and she's like oh so we got this party tonight you're gonna come yeah. right and uh, no no yeah you'll be there thanks I love how the women and that's why I say mm-hmm. you get a little bit of this agency you get a little bit of this um uh, like so, like status from women in the show they have no problem telling the men what to do. Who run the world? Girls. And um, <laughs> you get it, you get it from um Lady Danbury, you get it from um the, the Bridgerton mom. Mm-hmm. You get it you get it even from Daphne when she just wails the guy yes. uh Burbrick uh, in, in the face. Yes. And just and, and she doesn't need the Duke of Hastings to come and rescue her. No. She's got it under control. Yes. So I like that. All right, so Agreed. continue continue with No, your so I was just going through the Bridgerton family. Uh, then we also have Colin, who I think is next in line underneath yes. Anthony. Yep. Um, and Colin is quite nice to Penelope, and he just seems like a normal guy. Now, is he the same one who also seemed to have interest in Marina Thompson? Yes. Or is that another brother? Because they do look alike. They, they all do. They all have the same hair. They all have the same look. They all wear the same clothes. It's going it, to get a little confusing. It's going to be... We should just do like one and two. Like... like Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Tweedledee, Tweedledum. I don't know. Brother one, brother two, brother three. It was like Colin, then I forget the other guy's name. So sure. hopefully he'll come up. Um, so that's all I know for the Bridgerton family. Oh, and of course, Eloise, who's one of my faves. Yes. She is... She is like the... The Daria. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is the Daria God of bless the family. Her. But she is so in unless it, Lady Whistledon. Oh, yeah. She's all about it. Undaria-like. Like, she's down to have... She's down to spill a tea. She needs she's all the tea. She's down to read all the gossip, yep. and I am just all about this girl. Yep. Um, and then, of course, we have the whole Bridgerton family get together and have their family dinner later, which we'll talk about. So we've got that family. Then we yep. have the Featherington family. Yes. And this is Baron Featherington. He has his wife, his three daughters. Um, they seem very well off, except the daughters don't necessarily have a lot of grace or mm-hmm. necessarily a lot in the looks department. Um, they have been prepped a lot. The mother is like really prepping them. They even have like cards mm-hmm. with the gentleman's faces oh, that's on right. it. So yes. That way they know yeah. <laughs> who they want to <laughs> impress so that they can possibly get married. And of course, the wife... Um, Lady, Lady Lady Featherington, she's really nervous because Marina Thompson, the Baron's niece, ends up coming over. And at first she's like, whatever, just one more person to feed. I guess I'm being like nice or whatever, and we'll have her do this whole courtship thing. And of course, Marina comes and she's the belle of the ball, mm-hmm. but falls very quickly from being the belle of the ball. So um, note, Lady Featherington does seem to be a little bit of a gossip. Oh yes, and uh, by the way, yeah. Lady Featherington is her name's Paul, her real name is Polly Walker, and I'm watching her, and I'm like, where do I know yeah. this actress from? Like, from do where tell. do I know this person? And I'm like, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, and she was the mo- she was um, uh, she was on Rome. 
the television show oh Rome. She played Julius Caesar's. Uh, she played Atia of Julii. She played the mistress for Julius yeah. Caesar. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I was like, nice memory. No, I got it, man. I like. Whoa. She was on Caprica too. You okay. know, we're, we're big fans of uh, of. Uh, 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 BSG here. Mm-hmm. So say we all. So so Lady yeah. Featherington also drops the bomb that the king may have a mental illness. Maybe that's why we didn't get to see him at all in this episode. And really, we got to see the queen. So, of course, we can't me- not mention the queen. The queen who, of course, gets to see all these young ladies and ends up kissing and approving of Daphne. And the queen is just kind of like the who's who, but she's totally down on the gossip Oh, as she well. wants that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have Penelope, who's one of those those three daughters. Yes. Penelope, who just once again also just seems so dang sweet. And, yeah, and she, she wants to take the season off. She's like, I'm just not ready for it. I mean, her sisters fat shame her. And um, I'm really interested in seeing this character grow. I'm interested, especially because this show is kind of going in different norms of like, you know, whether it is um, just the different mixed race cast or of the modern music, I'm interested to see how they are going to handle the character of right. Penelope. And, and I, I like how Penelope has... already has a good fr- budding friendship yes. with the other sister from, from the, Eloise. Eloise from the... Yeah, like fr- I just want to find, especially Penelope, I want her to find love. You can tell that she has a sweet soul in the show and um, she does, she has the camaraderie with Eloise. So I'm interested to see whether, but she does seem to be very interested in Colin. At least I think that's his name, Colin. The, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Tweedledee or Tweedledum. <laughs> he seems interested in one the of one them. The one that's not Anthony. The one that dances with her. Exactly. Then we have Lord Bearbrook. Yes. Burbrook. Burbrook. Yeah, Burbrook. Okay. So he's a good shot. He's old. He slurps his drink. Oh, it's gross. So nasty. You know what he reminds me of? Peter Pettigrew? Yes! Thank you! That's why we're married. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That was yeah, not planned. Peter Pettigrew a wizard, Harry. from Harry Potter was a lord. That's who he would be. <laughs> so imagine Peter Pettigrew sniveling, being a little rat-like character, coming up to you and you being like, no, I do not want to marry you. So how sad that Anthony thought that this was the only appropriate match blows my mind. Daphne, of course, gets to knock him out. Um, we hang out with Simon Bassett, the Duke of Hastings. Mm-hmm. And really, I think that that is pretty much... Oh, we have Lady Danbury. Yes. Um, who is awesome. She is awesome. And she obviously has a relationship with the Duke of Hastings. We don't quite know yet what it is. I don't. Is she the mother? No, she's not the not mother. Not the mother. No, she, she must be an aunt of some sort, I think. Or like he was her protege, something. Yeah, I did love that she and Lady Bridgerton were like, "We need to hook these two up because it's Absolutely. going to save both of like our families." And they just think that they are the most brilliant people. When Daphne and Simon have actually planned this also themselves. Yeah, so right. really, I just wanted to make sure that we could like solidify who at least you and I saw in this episode and where they kind of fit within all of this tree and the puzzle pieces because, you know. As I said, they threw a lot of people. I mean, the Bridgerton family has eight kids. <laughs> what are we doing? We don't even know the two youngest kids' names, I don't think. Are they right. twins? I don't even know. Uh, like, yeah, the two boys, they look the same. Sure. The three boys pretty much look the same. <laughs> um, it, they, I love also how they have that big, huge family portrait. It reminds me of Shit's Creek. 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, amazing. Where they, where they had the big family portrait. They didn't know what to so do with it. That's all I could think of. Was yes. Except Creek to actually fit inside this grand house. Right. <laughs> and, not, yes. and not a motel. Um, and of course, with any Shonda Rhimes show there, and Mary, you've, you've already said it, there's a, a massive cast. It's in, and, and she, as a, an executive producer of the show, not the showrunner, but an executive producer, she is, she has experience in writing for these huge casts in Grey's Anatomy or Scandal or whatever. Uh, and Chris Van Dusen, same thing. Lots of experience doing this. And I think it's important to actually talk about the history of Shonda Rhimes here a little bit. Because as, as you know, she has created the show Grey's Anatomy. She created Scandal and, and a whole bunch of other shows. Uh, Private Practice. And it, it, she's got an empire, really. And she was working uh, for uh, network television for many, many, many years. Um, and in 2017, Netflix came knocking on her door. And they really, at that time, 2015 to 2016, 2017, they really started doubling down on their own content. Okay. And they needed, what they, what they needed was creators. They needed somebody to get in there and start doing the things that they wanted to do. Netflix was the one who pioneered this whole streaming television idea. And, and it, it began with House of Cards. It began with Orange is the New Black. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some other shows too. I mean, technically there was, uh, what was the first show that Netflix put out? I can't remember. But it was House of Cards that really put it on the map. So they wanted to double down on this and they go to Shonda Rhimes, who is this massive producer, someone who has created all of these shows and they give her like something along the lines of like probably a hundred million dollars. What does a person even do with that kind of money? Right. So it mean it was jaw dropping a hundred million for an overall deal just to go in there and just pump out these shows. And that's why Bridgerton is a huge deal because in, for the first time in three years since they signed this deal, Shonda Rhimes and her, her company, Shondaland uh, Media, they've come out with their first show and it happens to be Bridgerton. And it's based on a bunch of books mm-hmm. that hundreds of thousands of people have read. It's like Outlander almost that people just love this yep. and they cannot wait to, to read it. And not only that, Netflix then went ahead and got called up Ryan Murphy, the guy who created American Horror Story and America and the, the American Crime Story. And uh, they gave him like $200 million. Why did he get paid more? I don't know. And then- Is they, this true? It is true. And then they went ahead and they, after that- Patriarchy. After Game of Thrones uh, was ended, they called David Benioff, Dave Benioff and D.B. Weiss, and they said, we want you to come to Netflix as well. And we want you to make a, a stuff for us. And they stole them from Star Wars. Oh my gosh. They were the double Ds, as yes. they're warmly called, from Game of Thrones. You know nothing, Jon Snow. They were supposed to write Star Wars movies for Lucasfilm and okay. Disney. And Netflix came running in and said, no, 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 no. We'll pay you a whole bunch of money. You come make shows with us. And they left Star Wars for Netflix. Oh my gosh. Right. So now they have all of these creators and just uh, lined up. They even have the creator from the show Blackish. Uh, they, they gave her a ton of money as well. And now they have all these people lined up and all these shows are going to start coming out. And Bridgerton is the first major investment that's about to pay off. And it's a huge deal. And that's why I love the guts of this show. It, t- it takes this well-respected, well-renowned book that people, a book series that people love. And they said, okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it our way. 
and it's ballsy from yes. from Shonda Rhimes, and it's ballsy from Chris Van Dusen to do it the way they just feel like them. doing. How exciting! And thank you for that historical bit. Yeah, the context of the yeah. situation. That's why Bridgerton is such a big deal. It's a huge deal, and you're going to see Netflix pushing it left and right. They paid a hundred million dollars for it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Just just to get the the idea of yes. it, and and then they had to actually pay for the show on top of all of that. And I'm the, down. Who knows? You see the beauty of this of this television oh, show yeah. and the extravagance, and not only the extravagance of it all. I mean, the costumes, whatever, but the the green screens, the the digital rendering of all of these palaces and the outside world. None of it looked fake or bad. No, it didn't. You know, you and I, we watch a lot of television. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know us, Blake, I watch a lot of television podcasts about it. And occasionally there are things that just stand out scenery-wise where you're like, gosh, that just looked so bad. Mm-hmm. Nothing in this premiere looked bad. No, no. It, it feels, I, we were talking about it earlier, Mary. It feels like it was The Count of Monte Cristo mm-hmm. meets The Greatest Showman mm-hmm. meets Downton Abbey and what was the other one that I said? I can't remember now. I said the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Yes, but. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this heightened reality. That's that's what it is. And, yeah. and it, it does, makes no apologies for that. I agree. And I think that's great. I think that's that's awesome. I'm I'm so down with it. Yeah. Between this and Jingle Jangle, just the color palettes that's been blown across the screen thanks to Netflix this holiday season has made me very jolly. And I think an important thing that this show does is that right off the bat, we got a guy making love to uh, some woman doing the time and his, his bare ass is showing. That and, sure is. And it's, it's, okay, this is the kind of show we're getting into. Here we go. We have Julie Andrews talking. <laughs> Julie Andrews voiceovering, right? <laughs> right. We have, we have Julie Andrews, yes, the, the voiceover queen. that we played at the beginning of this episode, talking about scribbling bitches and canines and women and... That's why I'm telling you, she was having a hot toddy when she was recording that. Oh, absolutely. Good for you, Julie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about Lady Whistledown. Um, Who is she? What I, I think I want to have this as a segment. Because okay. remember when we did the Game of Thrones podcast to the North members, by the way, go to MarianBlake.com, check it out, or check it out in your Apple Podcasts app. Um, we did the power rankings for the throne mm-hmm. and we were deciding who was going to end up on the iron throne at the end of yes. the season, by the way, hashtag none of us, n- neither of us called no. who was going to be on the throne, iron no. throne spoilers. We won't say it. Um, but I kind of want to do a power ranking on who lady Whistledown is. Okay. Because I think like your top three. Yeah. I think the show, the show right up front is telling you, you're never going to know who I am. And they have, they have two choices: to never tell you ever, mm-hmm. or they're telling you this season. Like you're gonna find out. Okay. I don't think it's one of those things that they, they can keep as a mystery going on forever, with the intent of revealing it. Yeah. Uh, because I, I don't know if you know this show is going to be renewed for season two. It probably, more than likely, will be. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to bet that they're going to reveal it and they'll probably reveal it in the finale. Okay. Though if they had guts, they would reveal it like halfway through. Oh my goodness. All right. So who do you think Lady Whistledown is? Um, all right. So top three Whistledown. for me. Uh, top three for me. Uh, f- my first inclination is to say that it's a guy. 
Oh, yeah. Nice. I, it's my first inclination okay. to say it's a guy. I did. And I might say it's Anthony. Love it. I might say it's Anthony. Oh, my gosh. I love. Uh, and, I, and I say that only because he is the person that is guiding Daphne through this whole process. Yeah. And he is trying to mold things. And he doesn't... He's not surprised by Lady Whistledown's um, remarks. He mm-hmm. doesn't like read. He's not intently caring about it. Okay. Uh, it just feels like somebody, and it would be cool to have this gender mm-hmm. switch. I agree. Okay. Um, so who else do you have? Or my, is that just your number one? Do you just want to give no, you No, no, no. No, top three is important. Okay. Now, number two, number two would be um, uh, the, the, the sister. Eloise? Eloise. Okay. Uh, because... I like the idea that she don't care mm-hmm. and she's just going to, like, she's in on the team and she yes. wants that tea in the worst way. She's doing her own self promoting. Did you read the latest? Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. I like that. Okay. Um, I got a dark horse candidate. Tell me. Penelope. Ooh. That's All my right. dark horse. That's my dark horse. Nice. That's who I feel like we're going to. I don't know yet. I want something amazing to happen. You to want to Penelope. know why? You want to know why? Tell me. Because she her reads. Whole, yeah, her, she reads, and her whole she got the book. Remember that? And yes. they like put the book down. Like, what are you doing? And her whole family is just crap on. She'd her. have the money for the printing press, right? And mm. you know, I'm sure she's educated enough to to write these kind of things and to think think and up hire the, the newsboys, including um, Christian Bale. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, Christian Bale. He was yeah, in the newsies. Yeah. Uh, you know, you and I talked, I think, briefly about yeah. Lady Whistledown and the voice. Yeah, and it's it is Julie Andrews. Do you think that is really Lady Whistledown's voice, or is that yeah? Some... Like, is Julie Andrews going to show up as a character in this show? Right. So, but before we before we do that, why don't, why don't you give me your top three? Okay, my number one is Lady Danbury. Oh, okay. I could be really down with that. Like just picturing her in this big house by herself, just wanting to gossip and have someone to talk with until, of course, the Duke joins her. She doesn't really have people to hang out with that much. And she gets all gossipy and makes all that fun stuff with Lady Bridgerton where she's like, let's seat these two up. I just feel like she'd be down to spill tea and just do it all. You know what I mean? So that's my number one. My number two... I would love for it to be Eloise. As I said, I just kind of feel like she was doing a little self-promotion. What do you mean? Fanning the flame. Have you read it? Did you oh, okay. This? Gotcha. Gotcha. All you right. know, yep. like, well done. That would be great. And then for number three. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's okay. If you only got two right now, you got two. I that's cool. Ha- <laughs> Maybe uh, the dad, the Baron Fisherington or whatever the heck. There you, you go. You know what? That would be actually really cool. Baron Featherington. <laughs> because, you know, he's, he's stuck so... in this house of biddies. Yeah, and he's so aloof it, for the whole episode. Yeah. He, he's like kind of there and he's just doing this thing. But really his passion project. <laughs> but his real... Yeah. Like, he doesn't care about anybody except Lady... Whistle down. Like, that's his thing. That's another Dark Horse candidate. Yes, the Baron. The Baron is... Uh, that's a... Oh, yes, baby. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to... You know what? Mary and Blake Media, we have a very special sound oh. when something great happens. And that's this is it. Hold on. Makes me want to shout. You know who it's not? Who? The Cousin. Definitely not the cousin. All right, what's the deal with the cousin, okay, by the way? I was way? just unenthralled. 
not impressed, number one. Like, she came in, was the belle of the ball, good for her. Then she gets mad at her sheets. I mean... (laughs) What is going on? I took it as she got her period for the first time. That's what I thought, too, at first. But I was like, why would she be upset about getting her period for the first time? And she looks, like, way old to not have her period. Well, then I'm thinking, like... Okay, without getting gross, like, was she not exp- This is when I didn't know that she missed her period or whatever. I was just like, was she not prepared? Do they not have, like, extra towels underneath her bed or whatever they would use in that time? Like, why is she so mad? Is she 12 or 13? And, like, she's already being sent off t- to get married. So, obviously, she's of the child-rearing age. So, mm-hmm. I, I was very confused by that. Mm-hmm. That she was mad at her sheets. And then to find out that, like, that one set of sheets is what causes this ruckus. Like, oh my God, she hasn't had a period. I didn't have my period <laughs> for months on end when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. If I was stressed, if things were going on, like, this girl literally just moved and right. is being shuffled off to go get married to people. Maybe she's a little nervous. Right. But no, in fact, she is saying, no, I am pregnant. I yeah. was in love. It's just all very confusing. Yep. Uh, I'm getting a very Cinderella feel from this, you know, like with the stepsisters and the stepmother and, you know, she's going to be uh, like maybe the, the diamond of the first water that really comes out of all of this. But so far, I just feel like she's plot bait. It was it was just a lot at once. And yeah. then there was this weird moment where the Baron like looked at her and the mother was like, Oh, she's probably happy to have her around. I'm like, ew, did he yeah, make like, her pregnant? Like yeah, Right. Are they doing it together? Is, what's going on? Yeah. So I'm just not really That's why like I wonder if she's just plot bait. You know, like where she is there to further Or is she actually else. not pregnant? And she just doesn't understand that you can skip your period (laughs) sometimes. It happens to us. Right. Goodness me. So, yeah. And I'm just like, but like, but it's clear that she's just a nobody and she just shows up. And does she get all the suitors because she's just the new girl in town? Yeah, and she's pretty, but it doesn't make sense because so many of these guys really also care about the dowry. You know, they they make that such a big deal. Absolutely. And she's got no dowry. Yep. So, I don't know what was going on with that. And that's why I'm con- I'm concerned about this portion of the show. Like Agreed. the rest of her it, character. Yeah, the rest yeah. of it like I I get it. I I get where we're going. You know, we're going to have this this ruse between the Duke of Hastings and and Daphne and you know, obviously they're going to fall in love and obviously something bad is going to happen that I'm, sets them apart. And obviously something is going to bring them back together again by the end of the season. I mean, like, I'm down with all of it. He's so hot. He is an attractive man. <laughs> and his outfits are amazing. Like, I don't even necessarily want him to get naked because whatever kind of like crushed burgundy red velour jacket he's wearing, <laughs> he can wear that and only that. Yeah, just that. <laughs> and, and maybe socks <laughs> maybe if if you're if he's feeling lucky <laughs> or cold yeah yeah if he's feeling cold you can put some socks so on. a bit drafty in but those that, castles that's all, that's all you need so on that note <laughs> well you know actually one other thing too that i really like when he, speaking about uh the Duke of things, okay yeah um you know how the show it's it's very like edward and bella 
uh, or um, Fifty Shades of Grey, how they're setting it up. You know, like where it's a romance that really should not be happening. The rich, powerful man who doesn't want a relationship. It, right. And, but, and the girl that doesn't want one either, but is weak. And they just bump into each other and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, whatever, fine. And then, you know, he looks at her as he's walking away and she looks at him like she as she's walking away. And, you know, I don't have any intent on being with you. I don't want to be anywhere around you. And he comes in at the end of the thing and tries to save her and she pops the guy in the face. Which, holy smokes, she knocked that guy out. Straight out. She must have had a lucky shot because... Like, she hit him, like, right in that way that you hit your nose and it goes, shoots up into your brain almost. Like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't think that would happen in real life, but sure, <laughs> I'm down. Um, I like the way that they shoot um, the Duke of Hastings and Daphne. I, I, when they're together, it is you can see that it's fire. You know, you can see the flames that are coming out of it and they're, they're gazing into each other's eyes. They're always within frame they're always together and even when they are looking at each other they're still in frame together you know even when they're apart and this is when you get into visual language okay because the visual language of that relationship is one thing and the visual language of the burbrook and daphne uh bridgerton uh relationship is a completely other thing yes they're never in frame together very rarely and when they are in frame together, they are, um, they're, 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 it's a violent frame. Mm-hmm. It is something that is uh, extremely um, at odds. And, in, and when, even when they are in frame, she's trying to leave. She's trying to get away from him. So you can tell the relationship dynamic without even having to know the story um, between these between these two relationships, uh, which is something that is I think is really important. Agreed. And having all of these little things that you get to know about these characters right off the right off the jump, like um, oh god, what the heck's the sister's name again? Eloise. Eloise. <laughs> Eloise yelling up the stairs. Daphne, hurry up! Yes. You know, or Anthony looking at the watch, um, or uh, Lady Featherington just being like telling her, telling to tighten those corsets even more. The girl, poor girl, can't even breathe. Um, Daphne showing up, and it's just how she's just perfect the way that she walks down those stairs with the train, and um, how she doesn't take crap. She's going to do what she wants to do. Yeah, and she tells her brother exactly how it is. Like this is my one job, and you're messing it up. And these are all important traits that you get to know right off the Mm -hmm. jump. So I'm not going to say they're well characterized yet, but they are on the way. Yes. And hopefully my feeling as we come back, as we circle back to the beginning of this podcast, that I don't particularly care or like anybody right yet. Hopefully that changes next episode. Hmm. I like that. Got anything else that you want to say about this? That's really it. I'm excited to continue on into the series and I'm excited to be, of course, podcasting about this. Prediction for next episode. Um, I learn a few more family members' names. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, my prediction? <laughs> what? We're not done with Burbrick yet. He is coming back. He Just because he got his... Peter he, Pettigrew? Yeah, Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> just because <laughs> Peter Pettigrew got his, got his face popped doesn't mean... Is he going to remember? He's going to remember. Trust me, you don't forget that. Can you, like, file for assault? Um... 
he's going to get assaulted by a girl and he's going to say that? I don't know. No chance. No chance. I'll tell you, though, if we keep getting more scenes like the one, the dancing scene at the end with all the fireworks and everything, very Phantom of the Opera, as you you mentioned earlier, um, I'm going to be very pleased. With that, agreed. I Sign me just up. Just give me all of that. Can I please join that world, or like, I'll just keep daydreaming because it's 2020 and it stinks right now. All I can think of is masquerade <laughs> now. Masquerade, yes. you know, like yes. oh god, yes. So all right, yeah. So my prediction is Burbrook is not done yet. I think he will be the active villain throughout the rest Ooh. of this Ooh-ha-ha. season. I think he'll I be the it. person that that drives the plot forward. Oh wow! Uh, in in many different ways. And my goal is to find out more people's names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready to close it out? I just always think about Sound of Music when Mary forgets um, the uh, Maria, not Mary. Maria forgets Kurt's name, and she's just like, "Oh, okay, I'm remembering all their names." Yep, that's how I feel about the other boy. All right, let's do it. Thank you all so very much for checking out this the premiere podcast all about Bridgerton on Netflix. Blake and I really thank you from the bottom of their hearts for taking the time to hang out with us and talk about this exciting new series on Netflix, not only for this new series, but kind of for this new endeavor that Netflix is doing. It's going to be a big trend and, you know, a lot of you already have binged it. A lot of you have already watched it multiple times and we appreciate you taking the time to enjoy like digest this episode with Blake and I as we are not able to binge it all in one day and podcast about it all in one day Uh, as much as we would love to we we do have we have two things called kids that won't let us do that (laughs) but yeah everybody thank you so much uh, for for being a part of this and again this is a show that is based on the podcast is based on the television show and we're not here to make sure that everything is historically accurate and we're not here to make sure that everything is pitch, pitch perfect with the history of it all because the show doesn't care about that so as such the show is telling you how to watch it don't care about all this stuff it's okay to reference it it's okay to like talk about it but we're not here to dissect it all the history and this they maybe they had this or maybe they had that and they didn't have this and they didn't say that it don't matter. The show is telling you right up front, don't worry about it. And, and you should enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And just enjoy the heightened reality of a show like this in this particular We world. all need it right now. We all need just some bright colored, rumpy pumpy, um, just enjoyment. It's some good to escapism. Escape. Exactly. It's some so good we're happy that you're able to escape along with us. Of course, go to maryandblake.com and uh, check out all the podcasts that we have there. And if and if you want also to go to jointhenerdclan.com and become an official nerd, an official nerd clan member. Uh, and you get all the cool bonus perks of uh, premium. You get the podcast episodes early. You get the yeah, early access to all these podcasts. You get all the different uh, premium podcasts that we put together. You get free nerd swag from Mary, from the Mary and Blake store. You get a whole bunch of different stuff at, at jointhenerdclan.com. And you get access to all the nerds, all the great conversations and the community that is there. It's, it's an incredible, incredibly fun, warm environment. Uh, that I really appreciate and love. So join the nerdclan.com. Check that out. All right. Well, for that note, my name's Mary. My name is Blake. And this is Bidgerton with Mary and Blake. 